Thank you very much, Nico <laughs> White, for the welcome words. Uh, I'll start with the title Poland's Peaceful Revolution 25 years after the Polish Round Table Talks. Uh, anniversary, this is usually an occasion not only uh, to talk about past events, but also to reevaluate re their, their importance. And this is quite obvious that such a, uh, such a year as 89, uh, already in the past, I think, changed very much significance, and it means today different things than at the moment of events. I remember I was then in France, and I felt it dramatically in 89. It was 200th anniversary of the French Revolution, and it was almost from one day to another, it was clear how dramatically the perception of the revolution was, French Revolution was changing, which was at the foundation of the of the French of the French IT of all political thinking, and if you are talking now about certain crises in France, I think that the part of the attitudes towards history and the question of French Revolution plays a certain role there. It was, uh, in a way, what was happening in Central Europe and in Poland was a, a dramatic shock for French. I remember big events prepared by President Mitterrand for 14 juillet, 14 of, of, of July. Uh, it was enormous event was prepared. It was for, uh, for very great events and how it was um, uh, uh, diminished uh, by, the, by the revolution, which were just the opposite to the model, which was popularized model of French Revolution with with the role of utopia, with the role of violence, and mass mobilizations. Uh, so uh, I think that when we are talking about 89, it can be a good occasion also to talk about the changing significance about 89. But a few words about the film. Uh, film is about uh, uh, incredible events, uh, roundtable negotiation. For the first time, communist authorities accepted to, to negotiate, to, to negotiate with uh, people who were presenting themselves as representatives of, of the people. <coughs> so by definition, the legitimacy of the Communist Party, of course, uh, was based on the, on the conviction of the ideology of representing the the, the masses, the working people. So it was already uh, quite obvious uh, uh, recognition of the end of, of, the, of the power, communist power, to accept such an estrangement and to negotiate with others as representatives of the forces. By definition, communists were supposed to, to represent. Why they were accepting to negotiate? For quite obvious reason, because uh, <coughs> Polish economy was in dramatic situation. Preparing myself, I was thinking of all the time about what is happening in Ukraine today. I, I would not say that this is exactly a similar situation, but there is a lot of similarities. And the problem is that the Polish communist authorities have chosen different way. <coughs> Actually, Poland was already dramatically indebted towards the West at that, at that time. And, uh, and Polish authorities, they knew very well 
that in order to impose certain austerity, austerity measures, which are absolutely necessary, and uh, economic reform, they must have larger social support. They must have uh, collaboration of the opposition. It was the source, not any idealism. It was the source of the recognition of the necessity of, 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 those, of those negotiations. To understand, to understand why we must go further to, to the past, when we are talking about Polish peaceful revolution, there is, in Poland even, there is the problem with understanding. What exactly moment was this peaceful revolution? That's, there is a, this is the problem of ID, Polish identity, but also some ideological co conflict. Which event is the most important? There are people who would attach the most important, uh, the, the biggest importance to, to roundtable negotiation. And those are usually people who were very much contributing to the launching negotiation on the both sides. For them, this is founding meat. Poles are capable to talk, not to fight, but to talk to each other and to find political solution to Polish problems. But there is another which is gaining, to say the truth, as a sort of legitimacy of today's Poland. This is the June 4th. This is the semi-free electional, the consequence of, of roundtable negotiation, but it was not entirely controlled by elite. Roundtable negotiation, it was the business by definition of, of elite, of course. For June, it was a shock for both sides, in a way. The dramatically bad results of communists who lost election, it was a shock not only for the communists, it was a shock also for solidarity side. It was the source of the fear also that it can provoke Soviet intervention. But anyway, this 4th June, the same date of the tragedy on Tiananmen Square, just to remind you, also of the other possible model of the development in the, in the, communist, in the communist country. <coughs> but, but there are other dates which are very important in the same year, and this is why for Poles this is extremely difficult to say when it started. Really. This is the, in, in September uh, 89, this is formation of the first uh, non-communist government of the Dosh Mazowiecki, although with participants of a few representatives and quite important representative of the Communist Party, Minister of Defense, Minister of Interior. In Russian, they would say Silaviki, those who control the sil, the force. <coughs> and the last date, also very important, I will talk about it a little bit later. This is the big reforms in December, Balcerovich reforms. This is practically economic revolution, uh, revolution, big bank, economic, big bank, economic revolution, revolution in Poland. But to say the truth, another date is much more important, I think, than those old days. This is 10 days, 10 year, years earlier, this is solidarity movement. We cannot understand the roundtable negotiation and accepting by the Communist Party to negotiate with other side be the, uh, without the fact that in Poland we had in 1881 the powerful movement practically of whole society, 10 million members of the so-called workers solidarity, although it was not only workers, intelligentsia, employees, detail, state employees and, and so on, plus one and a half million of peasant solidarity if you multiply by the 
number of members of the family. Practically, it was trade union of the Polish nation. It was organization of Poland with the participation of more than one million party members. It was extremely powerful movement, which, which practically uh, questioned the existing system. And although it was uh, broken down uh, by the imposition of so-called in Polish state of war, this is l'état uh, d'exception, the state uh, exceptional uh, police conditions, uh, this movement survived to big extent during those 10 years. <coughs> and this is also, and most of all, why authorities recognized the necessity of, of, of negotiating, of, of talking with the other side and looking for, for the compromise. Of course, there was another very important intervening factor, intervening factor, this is too weak to say, this is Gorbachev factor. Without Gorbachev, it wouldn't have it would have been possible. Gorbachev accepted the negotiation practically in the '86. Uh, he said to Yaroslavsky, "Go on, try." And if you, some of you maybe remember, it was famous sentence of spokesman Gerasimov, who said, uh, who used the term so-called. Sinatra doctrine that everyone can sing in his own way, which was recognition of the fact that each country, so-called socialist country, can go its own way and the Soviet Union will not intervene anymore. So it allowed this experimentation by Jaruzelski, by 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 Jaruzelski, and in the situation of mounting tensions already, I cannot enter into the details, this decision to, to, <coughs> to negotiate, to, to negotiate with the, uh, with, with the other side. There's a very interesting problem of interpretation of 81, to come back to more general consideration. <coughs> In Poland, this is a sort of mystery that 89 is usually or almost always everywhere is identified with the Berlin Wall. This is conceived as a sort of profound historical uh, moral injustice, because that's true. In Berlin, it was not the result of, it was not Bastille, it was not uh, uh, 1789. Bastille was destroyed by the people. The wall was not destroyed by the people. The wall was destroyed by the people when the when the entries to the West were opened already by the authorities, by the mistake actually, partly mistake. <coughs> so in Poland there's a feeling of certain uh, injustice because that's true that Poland was first, it was the beginning was in Poland, not only 10 years before in 80, but also in 89. Round table negotiation, which afterwards were imitated in Hungary and some other countries, it started in Poland. Of course, this is for the reasons which are nothing against Poles. This is just the shows the interpretation of reality which prevailed in the West. That the most important factor it was not the fate of the people of those countries, but the geopolitical consideration. That Berlin Wall it was the symbol of divided Europe, of divided world. <laughs> Destruction of Berlin Wall, reunification of Germany meant 
reunification of through Europe, the end of the world, of the Cold War, from the point of the West, of course, it was important, not the problem of, of the fate uh, uh, of the people or Poles or, or, or even East Germans for that matter. So this is uh, explained. So of course, there is another factor which uh, can be partly uh, explained by, by, by the modern media logic that, of course, <coughs> wall is much more picturesque and resembles much more Bastille than round table, which is quite annoying bureaucratic <coughs> instrument of everyday sport, although not such a big, not such a big, uh, not such a big uh, table. So, uh, 89 till today in Poland, this is the subject of the political fights, because this is, uh, this is the fight about the interpretation of the history and of the roles of different, of different currents. Um, and uh, there are certain elements trying to delegitimize 89, pretending that uh, Soviet agents played a major role that the people representing solidarity were practically manipulated by the police, or if they themselves were not <coughs> uh, police, um, uh, police agents. But in the same time, it, it cannot work. So even the people who are trying to popularize such an interpretation, they cannot, they, they cannot impose upon the society such an interpretation. It doesn't mean that the attitudes of the people is unanimously favorable to 89. Already in 89, the first semi-free election, only about 63% of Poles participated in the election. Actually, Krzysztof Kozłowski, one of the leading personalities of the opposition and uh, a very important journalist of, of Tygodnik Powszechny and parliamentarian, he was saying that we didn't have support of a big part of the population and even of intellectuals quite were, were quite skeptical. And it was the case. There was a fear of manipulation. The first authorities, they will try to build their own legitimacy of their policy, hard, harsh economic policy, and they will try to destroy afterwards opposition. <coughs> but afterwards, till today, actually, there was a lack of interest in big part of the population, lack of interest in the politics in general. Today, Poland this is a very strange country where one of the lowest level of participation in the, in, the, in, the, in the election. So there is a certain paradox that it is the country which probably the biggest social movement in the history of mankind. You know, the 12 millions out of 37 millions of the population. And at the same time, the country where it's one of the lowest in Europe, the level of mutual trust of the capacity to organize themselves and of participation in the election. So we can say that our two different moments and behavior in two different moments. In exceptional moments of uprising, of mass national movements, polls are mobilizing, otherwise not very much. <coughs> not very much. Now I would like I, <coughs> I would like to say a few words about uh, what I would consider as a second part of our peaceful revolution. There's 
already I, I'm, I'm not entering it, it, the problem whether we can call it really revolution or not revolution. So if th th there's certain ambiguities about the character, so I can enlarge the, enlarge the concept and to speak about, about fundamentals, which are also one of the sources of today's Ukrainian tragedy. tragedy. This is the problem of the transformation of social economic model. <coughs> this is the, the most painful, the, the most difficult, uh, as it became obvious, um, the, uh, uh, challenge to, to new authorities after destruction of, of, communist, of communist regime. I remember, uh, we have common memories with Timothy Garten Nash, we were, we spent together in Woodrow Wilson Center uh, year 87, 89, and afterwards we participated in the conference in Dubrovnik in the summer of it. <coughs> and then we discussed the problem of the future of Central, Central, Central Europe. I was sort of semi-official representative opposition, so I couldn't speak too openly and too honestly. So I said only some pessimistic things I had to say there. I would like to to reconstruct my thinking then, because it's also the source of certain intellectual humility. I, my, my perception of the situation, Polish situation then, was quite pessimistic in comparison, especially with the countries, neighboring countries, Poles usually compare themselves with Czechoslovaks, then it was one country, and with Hungarians. <coughs> I thought that uh, it was before the big changes, but that there will be quite radical economic changes, it was quite obvious. Not, nobody knew how radical political cha changes, but economic, social, it was quite obvious. Or first, the source of my pessimism was that the, the country Poland was in extremely profound crisis. We had hyperinflation then in Poland. Then Poland was much bigger country, <coughs> much more complex country than the other countries less developed than Hungary and uh, Czechoslovakia already before the war, but after the war as well. Quite anarchic sort of anti-state culture, which is also the consequence of 130 years of, of division of Poland between uh, Germany, uh, Russia, and, and Austria-Hungary. Uh, what was very important also that during the war was eliminated upper class, or emigrated, and, and to big extent middle class, especially two ethnic groups. Jews were killed, and Jews represented very important elements of the, of the middle class in Poland before war. Jews were killed, Germans were expelled just after the war, or they, or they escaped, or they were expelled. And even working class in Poland, which was relatively small in uh, uh, not very developed Poland before the war was deproletarized Poland. It was peasant country with very anachronistic type of peasantry. So to say the truth, to be pessimistic, optimistic about possible uh, economic development in Poland, it uh, you know uh, it needed or uh, or the, the excessive optimism or just not to think about certain objective objective uh, facts. You know, the, the Gramsci famous uh, formula uh, uh, about the uh, pessimism of knowledge and optimism of will. People of action have much more will than, 
than uh, than analytical uh, time for analysis, and paradoxically, even three factors which were extremely important in preserving Polish much bigger much bigger freedom during Stalin's time than elsewhere were becoming. It was elements of my analysis. The problem in the new Poland, which must be more liberal, which must adopt that liberal model of development, market-type economy. First, it was the church, which was very conservative until today. This is very conservative uh, with a very ambiguous attitude towards market economy, towards capitalism. Uh, you know, the, uh, John Paul II, he changed a little bit the attitudes of the church. The whole Catholic church, uh, till quite recently, had uh, very ambiguous attitudes, and this is the case. Uh, till today. 